moving away from pain, which is what I was doing. Strong motivator. Not really the most best use because you'll have the catabolic energy. You'll have that victim and anger sometimes. It'll pull you down a little bit, but it keeps you motivated. Or moving towards pleasure, which is what Steve Jobs did and what Bill Gates does and you know, the Warren Buffetts of the world. They're moving towards pleasure. They have an idea. They have a picture. They have you know something where they're, where they're moving towards. So I think if people can look at it from that aspect, it really help them out. In a time plagued by groupthink, a tribe known as the Millionites have emerged from the depths of time to alter our trajectory for the betterment of humanity. These are their chronicles. Welcome to our community, where every single week we'll study the craft of some of the most successful entrepreneurial leaders in their given area of expertise. We'll take a trip down memory lane, long before the millions, to uncover their secrets to success and how they've achieved their goals. By doing this, we can fast track our way to success and live the life we've always dreamt of. So, whether you are looking to attain financial freedom, location independence, or reaching the millionth mark of your milestones and more, then you've come to the right place. Stick around to find out what works, what doesn't, and how you can reach your millions. If you would like instant access to our back catalog, visit us at beforethemillions.com. And now, your host, DeRay Olaleye. What's going on, BTM community? I'm your humble host, DeRay Olaleye, and we are back for another installment of the BTM podcast. This is episode 13, and on this episode, we are interviewing... Gino Barber. Gino is a multifamily mentor, coach, and father of six. And we get into a lot of his story and we get into the restaurant business he was in for 25 years. And we get into how he turned his sights on real estate and more specifically, multifamily investing, which is what I do. So we're we're talking a lot about the industry that I'm in and, and it's it's really fascinating. But we also get into belief systems and we get into, you know, what's your why and what's your goal and how do you how do you best achieve your goal based on your why? And if your why is is moving away from pain or if your why is moving towards pleasure. And it's a great episode and I took away a lot from this episode. But one thing I want to touch on before we get into it is, is is something that I'm really happy about. And that is that we have 10,000 downloads officially. Well, officially we have maybe closer to 12 or 13,000, but as of last week, we had officially 10,000 downloads and I couldn't be more ecstatic. I couldn't be more excited. I'm, I'm taken away. You know, when I first started this podcast, I would always tell myself that, you know, even if we just had, even if I got three downloads, four downloads, that would mean the world to me because that would mean that, you know, there are three, four people, wherever they are, they're listening to this and they're getting some type of value from this and they're, they're continuing to listen. And, you know, I'm talking with real people and, you know, it's, it's amazing. And I would just always think like, if I could just get three or four people to listen to the podcast, like I'd be set for life. That number was a significant enough for me because I knew that a whole other person that wasn't me was listening to my voice and was listening to some of the things that, you know, I believe in, you know, was getting some value or at least getting some entertainment at the very least out of it. So it was a goal <laughs> to just get somebody to listen and, you know, for it now to be in the thousands, it's truly remarkable. And, you know, we have this this tool, we have this tool that, that kind of shows you where your listeners are coming from on the platform that I use. And, you know, just looking at the demographics of the audience, you know, I'm looking through the list now. There's a large Australia base. There's a large Canada base. There's a large India base. There's a large Japan base. There's a large Netherlands base. There's a large Nigeria base. There's a large Republic of Korea base. There's a large South Africa base. There's a large UK base. Of course, there's a large United States base. And, you know, in the United States, there's a large California base. There's a large New York base. There's a large Arizona base. There's a large DC base. There's a large Georgia base. There's a really large Illinois base. There's a large Texas base. 1,300 people from Texas tune into this show every week. 
We could even go one level deeper and go by city and, you know, start shouting out some of these cities like East Hartford and El Dorado Hills and Memphis and Miami, Hollywood, Philly, Phoenix, Plano, Richmond, Vancouver, if you want to get into Canada. But that's not the point. The point of all this is we're growing and we're growing rapidly and you are a major reason for that growth. So I want to thank you. I want to really, really, really thank you guys for being loyal listeners, supporters, advocates. And people have started asking us, like, what do we attribute, like, you know, our, our growth to? And, you know, I I tell people that we, we haven't participated in any real paid advertising and that our growth, the growth of our community has really been because of our community and how much our community is willing to share and provide and give back and, you know, let people know about what we have going on. And, you know, it's really been through word of mouth. So if you want to know the single most biggest thing you can do to to help promote this podcast is really just telling, telling the person beside you, telling a friend, sending it, you know, via email to somebody, shooting somebody a quick text message who's looking to create some type of change or looking for, you know, a way to to achieve their goals, you know, faster, better, bigger. And I think that that that's the fastest way that we're growing. And I think that's the fastest way you can, you know, it's one of the best ways you can help somebody else grow is, is, is to plug them into something educational and plug them into something relevant, something that can actually make a world of difference in their life. So, so yeah, get this out to as many people as you can, you know, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. And we're trying to hit 25,000. We're trying to hit, you know, a hundred thousand. We're trying to hit a million. I mean, this is before the millions. Let's, let's get there. I think that's the goal. So again, I want to thank you guys and hope that you share this with as many people as possible. So with that being said, we're going to get right into the show. We recommend only the best books on this show. With that being said, we can understand the urge to read the last book you've heard an entrepreneur get excited about. Well, guess what? You can go read it right now. We've partnered with Audible, an Amazon company that produces high-quality audiobooks. Together, we are offering, and for free, a 30-day trial and one free book as soon as you sign up. So, if you've been eyeing a certain book but haven't quite been able to pull the trigger yet, we'd love to cover the cost for you. Just visit audibletrial.com slash before the millions to start reading or listening to your next free book. The link is also in the show notes of this episode at beforethemillions.com. Today, I'd like to welcome Gino Barbaro to the show. Hey, Gino, how's it going? Good. How are you? Gino, I'm, I'm doing splendid. I'm doing well now that we're on this call. I, I'm, I'm excited for our show. Gino is an investor, a business owner, and entrepreneur. He spent 25 years in the restaurant industry as a, as a restaurant owner, and now he's been investing in real estate for about 15 years. He specializes yep. in large multifamily like myself and has grown his multifamily portfolio to about 674 units valued over $32 million in three short years. Gino, I think we need to update that, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to update. I'm waiting for my next deal. I can't wait, bro. <laughs> Gino has teamed up with Jake Stenziano to create jakeandgino.com, a real estate educational company that offers coaching and training in real estate investing. He's the best-selling author of Wheelbarrow Profits, an educational product focused on multifamily investing. Gino is a certified professional coach. He currently resides in New York with his wife, Julia, and six children. Wow. I'm a big fan of the show, Gino, Wheelbarrow Profits. And after this conversation, I'm sure our listeners will be as well. Now, Gino, I don't think anyone can provide a better introduction than your co-host and business partner, Jake, on your podcast. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh -huh. I, th I think that was okay. <laughs> no, so, I think that was good. Okay. So maybe let's get into it. Let's, let's maybe fill in the gaps and let our audience know a little bit more about yourself. And then maybe we can hop in the time machine. Sure. Real quick. I just moved to Florida, St. Augustine. So I relocated the six kids and my wife, year and a half process, got the house in New York, sold, moved to St. Augustine, Florida. Basically, I know my reasons why. I want to get up in the morning, go fishing. I wanted to ride bikes to the grocery store. I wanted to live 500 feet from the beach. Made it a picture in my mind, and I worked towards that picture. And, you know, it was really hard to do. I'm not going to lie to you. But I said to myself, I only go around this world once. I want to try it. If it doesn't work, renting the house down here, go back up to New York. But that's what I wanted to do. Now, let's get, let's get into that time machine. I, I got into the restaurant business out of default. I was eight years old, son of an immigrant. My dad came from Italy. I'm in the kitchen with him, got a knife cleaning chickens, Windex in the walls, washing dishes. 
I loved it. You know, I, I got, I thought everyone's dad worked in the restaurant business and went to work with them. You know I mean? It was a great childhood. I, I was blessed, had two of the best parents anyone could ever have. So, you know, that respect, I hit the lottery because I already had the right mindset of working hard and, you know, taking care of family, doing the right thing. So fast forward to college. I went to college. I loved college, but I got out in 1992. The economy sucked. I went to work for AIG when AIG was a real company worked in reinsurance accounting and I tell everybody like watching paint dry bro it was the worst most boring job on the planet it really sucked the life out of you and if I had gone down that path I'd probably be unemployed right now I'd probably be miserable went to work with my dad I opened up a restaurant when I was 24 years old and I loved it up until about 10 years ago when the economy changed in 08 it affected everyone in the economy and I started blaming Obama. I started blaming the economy. And I said, you know what? There's guys out there making millions of dollars. It's not the president's fault. It's not the economy. It's me. I went to go get some you know, self-development help. You know, you think you read a couple of books. I went to IPEC. I went to an institute for professional excellence and coaching. Went to, not for a coaching degree, but really to step outside the box to get, you know, 10 years ago, I wouldn't be able to talk to you. I was nervous. I was a shy guy. I wanted to step out of the box, become uncomfortable. And I was really uncomfortable. But I learned tons of skills and I learned what was wrong with me. I had these limiting beliefs that we all have. There's these four energy blocks we talk about in coaching. They're called the gales. They're limiting beliefs. They're called interpretations, the assumptions. And then there's the big gremlin, right? I had a lot of those. We all have a lot of those. And they're really mostly internal. These blocks are 95% internal. 5% external. The external blocks is the economy, what's going on. The internal is mostly what's in your mind, what you're talking about. And a lot of these limiting beliefs were, were holding me back because I only had one restaurant for 25 years. And in three years, I have 700 department units. That doesn't make any sense on the face value, but I was really good at the restaurant. I wrote a cookbook. I mean, I'm an excellent cook, but I didn't know business. Business basically in any industry is income versus expenses. That's all it is. Let's not complicate stuff. We tend to complicate stuff by we need marketing, we need sales, we need to do all these different kinds of functions, we need accounting, we need distribution. It's really very simple. It's trying to make a product, trying to make it as profitable as possible, trying to create a system around that product and trying to systematize it. That's all what it's all about. I love that. I love that so much, Gino. And there's there's a lot that I want to dive into your show. I've already taken like half a page <laughs> of notes so far, but let's go back to 24-year-old Gino. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to 23-year-old Gino. Before you start the restaurant, what's what's your outlook on life? What are your goals and, and why did you decide to start this restaurant? Real simple. I was working in Manhattan. I was working on John Street and I hated the commute. The first bombing happened in the World Trade Towers. I'm like down there. It's an hour and a half for me to get to work every day. I'm sitting at a desk reading a newspaper. They're yelling at me because I'm not doing any work. And I'm saying, guys, you want to give me work to do? It was just such an unfulfilling job for a 23-year-old. I was not motivated. And that's what happened. I finally said to them, I said, either you move me out of this position or I'm leaving. And they didn't want to move me. So I left, went to Italy. My cousin got married. I hung out there for two months, thought about everything else, came back to the States. And then there was nothing really here for me. So I said, I've got to do something. So let me open a restaurant. And that's why I opened the restaurant. And I opened it with my mom. My dad still had his place. So I, I opened it with my mom. Remember, it was, it was tough. It was a small little place. We made money from day one. But it's a very difficult business. When you're a mom and pop owner, it's a lot of hours in the beginning. It's a lot of risk. It's a lot of dealing with employees. And it was overwhelming in the beginning, but, but I loved it. I, I liked it. And I, my whole goal when I was young, I just wanted to make money. And that's all, that's all it was all about when you're young, before you get married, you're focused on it. And I guess after you get married, but you know, between your 20s and 30s, you're really focused on just making money. And you're not thinking about the bigger picture and, and contributing and giving back. So that, that's where I was when I started the business. So where did you get your entrepreneurial drive from? I mean, you know, it's it's very, very difficult, even even especially at that age, to go from, you know, working working a salary job or working an hourly job to, oh, let me open up a restaurant. How did that come about? Well, I mean, like I said, I was really blessed to have two great parents and they were really great role models. And, and that's where I, I feel sorry for a lot of people nowadays. And that's why I have a large family. I've got six kids. I want to be a role model to them. I want them to look at me and say, hey, like, dad is great. He's doing a podcast late at night. They're Hopefully they're quiet in the other room, but they know that you know we're here to serve others, but we're also here to be role models to our children and to others. That's what your podcast is doing. That's what my podcast is doing. And I was just fortunate that way, but I was always hungry. It's not always, it's really weird. I, I, have, I have a lot of confusion with success 
success and with achievement, right? Success is just, I think, a feeling. Achievement is doing something. So we always confuse that, right? And I'm still confusing that now. I can go through a day, have three great conversations, but I didn't generate any revenue, let's say, and it feels like not a very successful day, but I should feel successful. I've achieved a lot, but it doesn't feel successful. So I'm still trying to get over that hump. But as far as being hungry when I'm 24, listen, I mean, it's it, it's just in you, either you got it or you don't. And it's about surrounding yourself with great people, with smart people. And that's what's, that's what's really scary in my situation now. I'm interviewing a lot of guys in my show and I'm meeting people who are so much smarter than me. And, and you think to yourself, well, hey, listen, should I be interviewing them or should they be interviewing me? So it's a really crazy thing. And it's all about being uncomfortable, right? Try to make yourself as uncomfortable as possible. Try to ask people questions. And it's okay if you're not as smart as them. We're not all at the same level. But the only way you're going to get as smart as them is by challenging yourself and putting yourself in those situations. I love that. So younger Gino, 24-year-old Gino, to maybe I think maybe you said you were in the restaurant industry for about 15, 25 years. 25, 25 years. yeah. So, wow. yep. so all this time is at one central restaurant location? It is. Yeah. The whole time, you know, my mom bought the building, which was great. We paid her rent actually, which is funny, but I mean, it was 70 seats. We were really busy. We had a fantastic business. I mean, we have great catering. The food is great. I only three or four years ago, we were talking about online selling. I started to try to build a brand from that, writing a cookbook, started sourcing physical products, cutlery knives with the Geno's family. So my whole thing was when I got the, when I went into the professional coaching thing, they're saying, figure out what you like, what you, what you're really passionate about. And I was passionate about my family. I was passionate about gardening and cooking. So if you go online and look at Geno's family company that I started about three years ago, I was sourcing products from China knives. I had everything on Amazon. I had garden bucket bags. So my whole idea was to grow food in the garden with my kids take videos, the whole step, planting garden, drawing with them, picking it and bring it into the kitchen and actually doing videos with kids, teaching kids how to grow organic food, cooking and just having a meal around the dinner table. And it worked great until my wife kept getting pregnant. She's the, she's a videographer. She's doing all the work. So, you know, I, I lost that aspect of it, but I mean, it's a great, it was a great thing. And, you know, was it a success? Yes. And it was a failure at the same time because I didn't make money, but the success that came from it, I learned how to speak on camera. I learned how to video, learn how to create sales funnels, learn how to write content, learn how to write eBooks. I wrote the cookbook, which translated into writing a book, book for Jake and Gino. So we always look at, you know, was it successful or not? It depends what you're your parameters are. I'm thankful that I did that and lost money doing that because I enjoyed it. The videos are still on YouTube. They're still on Gino's Trattoria. Gave my brother the impetus to do it because what held me back was I had my brother as a partner and he didn't want to do it. He wasn't ready. I was working in the kitchen doing the grunt work, the $10, $12 an hour work, which is what most entrepreneurs start doing. And then they say to themselves, you know, I'm more valuable than that. But you don't really know that when you're in the business, you're, you're working. And he was up front and it was, I couldn't go up front and work with him because it would have been more of a more or less of a clash. And now that I've left, he's created his own pasta sauce and jarred. So I've motivated and inspired him to do that. But I wish we were we would have been able to do it together. But if we would have, then maybe I would have never gone to Jake and Gino. So that's the cards that God dealt me and that's what you that's what you gotta play, right? Is that restaurant still in existence today? Oh yeah, he's still working. My brother's still busy. Yeah. We, we what's it called? I got I gotta go check it out one day. It's called <laughs> it's called Gino's Trattoria, believe it or not. Okay. It, it's a Trattoria's is a little tiny restaurant. It's named after my grandfather. So my father's really proud and that's you know they named that for my dad my granddad and it was it was great i, I mean it's been, it was great 25 years just like anything else in life there's so many great things you love about it the camaraderie the clients the customers the food you know i worked with my mom for 25 years so i've got a great special relationship with her so i, I love that but on the other aspect there's things you don't like about it that's that's part of being a business right Yep. So let's let's fast forward a little bit, Gino. Let's let's talk about some of those some of those reasons why you left. And you and your brother were business partners at at the Gino's family business. And you know, you're you're doing ten to twelve dollar an hour jobs, but you're the owner. What kind of started shifting in your in your mentality and what kind of got got you looking outside of the restaurant for more and better ways to fulfill yourself? I'll give you two specific stories that changed my life that really got me annoyed. Washing dishes there one day because the dishwasher doesn't show up and I'm washing dishes and my brother walks in from doing a barbecue, dancing and, and whistling. And I turn around and I just cursed at him. I said, what are you doing, bro? You're killing me. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, I'm washing dishes here. You're out having fun doing a barbecue. I said, that's it. I said, I, I just can't be doing $10 an hour at work. And he's out having fun. I resented that. And it wasn't his fault. He was doing his job, but I just was sick of doing that work and sick of like, I just didn't want to be in that environment anymore. And the second thing was Jake and I are, we're about 250, 300 units in, into the portfolio. And I'm out in the back of the restaurant stacking 
containers to go on a shelf. And I'm on the phone with him and I'm negotiating an $11 million deal. We're doing a 281 unit deal. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm doing $12 an hour work here and I'm trying to negotiate 300 unit deal. I said, there's something going on here, right? But I was scared to leave the comfort of the job paying you know, job at the restaurant and pursue my, my, my passion of trying to build a portfolio. So what I ended up doing was I said to myself, okay, I'm gonna leave the restaurant. I'm only gonna work on the weekends get rid of the restaurant, work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, give my brother a hand, still make some type of pay, you know, paycheck with him and do this thing part-time slash full-time because I was doing Jake and Gino and the portfolio at the same time. And then in March of last year, which is about a year and a little bit more than a year and a half ago, I decided to leave the restaurant full-time. But it's those baby steps. Maybe you don't have to, you know, burn the ships like everybody does. Maybe you take those baby steps. And I guess I have an extreme situation. I've got six kids, so I've got a big family to feed. I mean, my food bill is probably more than what the average person pays for their mortgage, right? So it's all, but I can't use them as an excuse, right? Because that's what a lot of people do. I can't do this because I'm risking it. And I got a lot of, you know, pushback from people that I know, like my mom, what are you doing? You got to feed a family and you just have to say to yourself, they're not trying to hurt you. They're trying to protect you. But at the same time, you really have to do what makes you passionate. I would be sitting at the restaurant lunchtime, 1 o'clock and writing articles and getting ready for podcasts and trying to set people up and trying to analyze deals and trying to talk to vendors. And my mom would go by and go, you know, life is not only about work. You know, you got to relax too. I said, mom, this isn't work to me. This is fun. So anybody who is knows what I'm talking about, is passionate about what they like, like me and you, we're on a podcast right now, we love to do this. This is not work to us, and that's how I wish everybody on this planet would feel, because then we'd all be energized, we'd all be creating, there'd be such an abundance on this planet, but a lot of us don't feel that way, the majority of us, and I didn't feel that way for a long time until I started transitioning into this, so that really fueled me. That was my, I guess, my impetus. Sitting there at one o'clock during lunchtime, that's my lunch break, writing an article, like, this is great, so that's what that's what led me into this. Gotcha. So, Gino, you... You're in the restaurant business for 25 years, and, and it seems like you're an entrepreneur from inception. Like you, you mm-hmm. literally had, you know, a nine to five, maybe maybe a few years early on, but you, you've been an entrepreneur mm-hmm. pretty much all your life. But it almost seems like, or it almost feels like you weren't an entrepreneur. You know, you were you were to me, it was that's right. Yeah, so, that's right. So how did you? Well, how did you? You know, you talk about when you were doing 11, 12 million dollar deals in the back of the kitchen, but Mm -hmm. how did it even get to that point? How did you turn your attention to real estate? That's a good question. I mean, I just wanted more. And and what happened was I just started saying to myself, I need to make a little bit more money. I need to make some passive income on the side. So I wasn't totally bought it in the beginning. So I bought the first deal. Hey, made a little bit of money. I need to make X amount of money extra and the restaurant will be okay. Maybe I can do it. So I just started thinking small. And then from thinking small, I said, let me do another deal. And it's amazing what momentum does to you and a little bit of experience and a little bit of, I guess, a little bit of, of, you know, that motivation, that momentum going on. I got a little momentum going on. I'm just recollecting what happened. Then all of a sudden, one thing led to another. Then I met another business partner. He came on board and then it just started growing from there. That's really what happened. Okay. Okay. We're going to get into you meeting Jake and how that relationship took off. But Mm -hmm. first and foremost, you know, I always go back to, and this is one thing I really want to talk about on this show, Gino, is going back to your goal, going back to your why. You know, you're you're a coach and you've coached plenty of people to success. And we just, you know, we recently just had had a conversation about one one of your students or clients. How do you extract that perfect why or that driving why out of your students to get them to really take action? Well, the whole thing with a life coach, people think it's corny, but I think that's the cornerstone of you know success for anybody. And it's it's no coincidence that guys that get into their 40s my age get stuck in life and they have a revelation. I'm not going to be around forever. Why am I stuck? So I think the biggest question, you talk about empowering questions, empowering questions are thought-provoking, you know, clarity-seeking questions. Biggest question is, why do you want to do something? If you can figure out your whys, you'll figure out how, right? I know why I wanted to get out of the restaurant. I wanted to have time back. I wanted to be able to be on a podcast. I wanted to come down to Florida. Those whys are strong for me. If you figure out a reason why, even like, let's say going on a diet, why do you want to go on a diet? I've had a health scare, right? So I said to myself, that's it. I'm done. You hit that wall. You said to yourself, let's figure out the reason why. If you can figure out the reason why, those answers to how we'll do it. And my answer was multifamily. And that's what happened. That answer came to me. Now, people are going to sit around and say, the the four-hour work week. There's a lot of work involved. There's a lot of, you know, digging in. And the reason why you need to have a strong and powerful reason why is you're going to hit a lot of potholes, right? Road's not going to be straight, a lot of curves. So when you hit that pothole, if you don't have that strong enough reason why, you're going to stop and you're going to give up. But if you have a strong enough conviction, you're going to keep going. That pothole is going to be a minor diversion. I had a lot of 
lunches to myself writing those articles. If I didn't believe in that, I would not have been wasting my time doing that. I would have said, you know what, I'm going to give up. But I didn't give up and I kept going. There's only a very, very, very few percent of us who actually take action. And, you know, all of our whys are similar. Sometimes it frustrates me to, to kind of just like, go take action, go take action. Like, why do you think there's a difference? Or do you think that their, their whys are not strong enough? Do you think that maybe they're not moving away from pain and they're moving towards pleasure? What is it about certain people? It's a lot, has a lot to do with life coaching. It has a lot to do with the levels of energy a person resonates with. I think Tony Robbins says it really great. He likes to ask people, what do you like? And 90 to 95% of the people are gonna say what they don't like. I don't like this, but that's not what I'm asking you. See, what you focus on is what grows. If you focus on what you don't like, that's what you're going to get. And that's what I was doing. You know, they were asking, what do you like, Gino? Well, I don't like working in the restaurant, but that's not the answer I'm asking you. I was giving them that answer and I was focusing. I don't like it here. I don't like it here, but I wasn't looking for a solution. I was focusing on what I didn't want. So that's the first thing you should always ask somebody and see what they say. I guarantee you nine out of 10 people are going to tell you, I don't like this. So the other thing that he talks about is the loss of fear. People are more afraid of losing something than gaining something. It's like if I give you five bucks, right, you'll be happy. But if I tell you to give me two bucks, you'll be really bad. You don't want to take it out. So that fear of loss is really powerful in people. And it's instinctual. We try to protect ourselves. And, you know, you can go into life coaching. The other thing is the seven levels of energy. That's why I talk about really surrounding yourself with really positive, powerful people. Because if you surround yourself with someone who's a victim, sooner or later, if you don't drag them out of victimhood, you're going to become a victim with them. They're going to drag you down, right? Seven levels is from victim to, you know, you're getting really mad, which is anger, which is good. It's good and bad. You know, it's the second level. We call it the anger one. The third one is responsibility. As you go up these levels of energy, you're becoming more positive or more anabolic in your energy. So you have to really watch where you're resonating all throughout the day. Every situation brings down a different, I guess, response. And wherever you respond to in life throughout the day, some people can stay there all day, can stay there all week, all month. If you have a negative feeling, how are you going to work throughout the day? You're not going to take those positive actions. But if you're a positive, uplifting person and you stay around with those people, all of a sudden you've got these ideas and you've got these emotions that you want to work. And that's what I was striving for in the restaurant business. That's what I was lacking. And, you know, the ability to get there with Jake and the ability to do these podcasts and, and coach people. You learn a lot from people and you also talk to people who want to talk back to you and really want to be in your sphere of influence. So that gives you, you know, the emotion and, you know, it's just great to be around that. Definitely. So let's let's jump back into your story a little bit. And, you know, let's talk about some of those earlier times when you kind of started asking, you know, what was your why and what were your goals and what you wanted to do outside of the restaurant? You know, how did you find Jake and what made you believe that he would be a, a great partner? It was funny because he was a drug rep and he was getting catering for my restaurant. So he was my brother's friend. He was really good friends with my brother. He was the only drug rep that I knew, pharmaceutical rep, that would come in. He'd have his monthly schedule. He says, Gino, I need a lunch on the 15th of the month, the 18th of the month, and 25th of the month. He had his coach's sheet six years ago. So like only guy who does that. All these guys call the night before for a $400 order. They're so disorganized. You don't want to do business with them. It's just, I just did not want to deal. But with him, it was a little different. And he took a lateral transfer from New York to Knoxville. He picked Knoxville, no state income tax, great weather, right to work state. It was just a great place for the move. Knoxville is a great, it's a very affordable city. It's a beautiful city. So I said, when you go down there, he wanted to get out of the rat race also. I said, go down there. We'll look at some deals. I started looking at deals. I, I was one with the more experience and the more knowledge. I said, your, your per unit costs are great down here. Your demographics are great. Everything's growing. It's affordable. The rents are pretty good. I can't buy anything in New York. You know, the expenses here are so much better. When you get down there, sell it yourself and let's start looking for deals. And that's what we did. But it took us a good 18 months to find our first deal because he went out, bought a house. The wife wanted to buy a house, that whole thing, pulled away his focus. And he's a really focused individual. But I knew Jake does what he says and says what he does. That's what we do. And that's what partnerships are supposed to do. We hold each other accountable. Right now, I was on the call with you about an hour ago. We had a coaching call. I had to leave. He finished the coaching call. Whenever he needs something done, I get it done. So, you know, we'll do more for each other than we will for ourselves. So that's what partnerships are. And no excuses with him. Let's get it done. We have a plan and we schedule everything out. And that's what really works for us. And I think that's what partners do. We both have the same vision of creating wealth, creating passive income, growing the businesses. And that's what you want from a partner, someone that you can you know, really grow with. Let's give some of the listeners some advice. Now, you, sure. in this partnership, you you were the more experienced, more seasoned real estate mm -hmm. investor. I don't think Jake had any experience. Nope. Right? 
What would you recommend to our listeners as far as, you know, newbie listeners who are looking to get into the real estate game or getting to business, get into anything that, you know, involves a partnership? You know, what did Jake do specifically that kind of, you know, kind of shifted your mentality to be like, hey, this guy would be a great partner. He has no experience, but he would be a great partner because, you know, most people who are experienced, they want, you know, we're all wanting to to level up. We're all wanting Mm -hmm. to to get to the next level. And we're all looking for people who can help us get to the next level. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it may seem contradictory to, you know, bring somebody along who's not at your level yet. So, so what was it about Jake that, you know, made you decide to partner with him? So we went down and what I liked about Jake is he was boots on the ground. He was willing to do the hard work. We paid him. So that's what I got into it. And obviously when you get into it, operating agreement, you know, we, we got everything written out. It's a contract. He brought some skin in the game. I brought some skin in the game. So we both are partners in that aspect. And we just started the partnership. And listen, we had a 25-unit deal. I was the first deal. You put your feet in the water. If it doesn't work, no harm, no foul. You sell the deal and you go your merry ways. But the whole thing is you have to have like mindset. You have to have like goals. And that's what I was talking about. When you focus on the market, we focused on Knoxville. Really be bought into one or two markets. Learn that market really well. Start networking with the brokers. And that's where you can probably maybe go on a site like Bigger Pockets. Go look and see if there's anybody in that market that's looking to partner or looking for investors and start, you know, start looking in that market. So networking is is really, really key. And mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure I'm sure that, that Jake approached you and he kind of showed you, you know, through and not even through real estate, but showed you through through the restaurant business that, you know, he's a drug rep and he has, right. he has certain skills that you haven't seen with any other drug rep. So he's already standing out in some of the things that he does. So let's kind of fast forward a little bit more to to maybe almost present time, Gino and and what is your, you know, currently you're at, you know, roughly seven hundred units and, you know, you've achieved this lifestyle that you wanted to live. You, you, you know, I'm looking at you work from home and you're in Florida. You've gotten to where you want to go. What's, what's next? What are your short-term goals? And maybe even get into some of your long-term goals afterwards. Well, short-term goals, I want to really learn how to fish really well in the ocean because I'm not a really good fisherman. So I want to learn how to fish. That's the first thing. I want to go kayaking. That's another thing that I want to do. I mean, I spend a lot of time with, the, with my kids. I homeschool my kids. So I want to continue to homeschool in the morning, spend 45 minutes every day with one of them doing that. That's really important to me. You know, short term, my goal, and the other, yeah, I think it's the other goal is just to continue to grow the Jake and Gino community. And I love talking to investors, students are bringing me deals, helping students, you know, growing the podcast and just getting out a positive message every week to everybody. Just saying, hey, listen, if I can do it, Jake can do it. Anybody can do it. Love it. And you touched on your, your before the millions goal. So I kind of want to, you know, switch gears to that really quick. But you finan- sure. you've refinanced or repurposed $4 million. What does that mean to, to an average person who's not a real estate investor? What does that mean? Well, that's that's a true way to wealth because what happens is you're velocitizing the money. So let's say, for instance, our very first deal was, I think, our third refinance. We bought the property for $600,000. We bought it with 10% owner financing. The very first deal, we had a broker who taught us that. So basically, a $600,000 deal, we had to come up with 60 grand out of pocket. The seller held the note for 60 grand, 60 grand plus another 20 in closing costs. So we came up with 80 grand out of pocket. So the deal, we bought it for 600,000. About two and a half years after we bought it, it took us a little while, this property, because it needed a lot of work. It was valued at $800,000. So we were able to refinance the property and pull out $160,000 of cash out of that property. What happens is the mortgage stayed the same because since it was our first property, we got crappy terms on it. So when we refied it, the rate went down, the amortization schedule went up, and it was just wonderful. So we have $160,000 of equity that we pulled out of the property. It's like a bank creating. I still try to explain this to my wife. She still doesn't get it. She laughs every time. It's like creating money. It's like creating money out of out of thin air, right? And the wonderful thing is tax free comes to you. So if you think about it, we put 80 grand down on this property. We pull out 160. So we pull out double what we put in. We have no more money left in this deal. Money's tax-free. So 160 grand tax-free. So how much do I have to work to make 160? Maybe 320, 300, 280, whatever it is. So it's amazing the amount of money. And if you start doing bigger deals, the third deal we did, we were able to pull out a million six on this deal. 
million six tax free. We only put 800 or 900 into the deal, but that's what it's about buying right. So it's hard to buy right right now. So if you're buying right, you're buying an asset at 4 million, 18 months later, it's worth 6.5 million. You're able to pull all that money out. And now we're going back again now. We're going to refi it again because rates are still low. We don't want to lock it in at 30 year terms. So it's just a gift that keeps on giving because you're refinancing this money out. It's tax free. Now I'm not going shopping. I'm not taking vacations. I'm diligent enough that I put the money on the side and I'm going to repurpose that and put that money into another into another asset. And as you know, that's Rich Dad. Rich Dad says go out and buy a, a Porsche, but why buy the Porsche and put money down? Buy an asset, pull the money out, and let that asset pay for it. So that's basically what we're doing. We're, we're being the banker. We're what's called velocitizing money, basically. So it's a fantastic strategy. I love that. I love that. And I recently had MC Lobster on the show. MC Lobster show is beforethemillions.com slash episode 12. And I recently had MC Lobster on the show and he he talks about this concept. And I think you've been on, on his show as well and he's been on mm-hmm. yours, but he talks about the infinite banking concept. And it's to me, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. It's something that I want to get into. And I know you know a little bit about that. So so maybe kind of for the listeners who haven't listened to that show, maybe kind of tell us what, what that concept is and how it can benefit us as, as investors. Well, it's one of those concepts where it's contradictory because 98% of the people on the planet think their whole life and, and they think that it's a strategy that, that doesn't work. And just look at who are using that strategy. People who are wealthy, people who know about money are using that strategy. So I started a whole life policy, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. I started two. The first one I cashed out to get that big deal. I just cashed it. I said, I need the money. I want to pull it all out. In retrospect, might not, should not have done that. But you know what? I just needed to do it at the time. The second one is... You buy these whole life policies, you're putting money aside, you're getting a cash value. Now, is the insurance broker making money? Of course he is making a lot of money. But at the same aspect, that's just one little piece of the puzzle of your entire financial portfolio, of your entire financial picture. It's a long-term strategy to create wealth. Great way. So now if I had to get life insurance, I might not be able to qualify for life insurance at my age with, let's say, any health issues that I have or anything. So it's a great strategy to lock in getting life insurance. You're getting a month, you're putting cash every year in it. So it feels like it's an expense, but you're actually saving it and you're building a cash value in it every year. Fantastic strategy. What these guys end up doing is they can use that cash. They can borrow that cash value while they're earning money. They're paying interest. So it's, it's just a fantastic strategy. I would definitely tell your listeners to go on to MCs and really listen to it because it's high level stuff. Only wealthy people are doing it. And you got to read, you got to understand why. If you listen to Susie Orme, she's going to land base and go, but she's only talking to the average person who's thinking about saving money, putting money in a pension plan, and just, you know, trying to pay down their debt. That's not for guys. Guys that are listening to your show and guys that are listening to MC and myself, we don't play at that level because we don't want to be at that level. You want to play at that level and be with those people and listen to that advice, you're going to get stuck there. If you don't want to listen to, you know, listen to MC and you'll find out that strategy. I love it because, like I said, that whole life policy, we're talking, and I think you, through an email, I collateralized the cash value on my whole life policy, put it down for a property, use it as collateral, didn't even have to pull it out because the bank said, you know what, this is like money in the bank because if something happens, I just take the cash value out of the policy and it's mine, right? So I didn't have to borrow it. So I wasn't even paying interest on it. So it was like a home run for me. I'm like, I can't believe this. This is like, this is awesome. You know, it's just, it was just an awesome that's amazing. And, and I love that you touched on, you know, it depends on what your goals are. Like you said, there, you know, people like us, we're playing a different game. We're playing at a different level. And it's not because, you know, not everybody can play at that level. It's definitely something that we're trying to get out to as many people as we can because we believe in the abundance mindset. But so many people just have no idea that they're allowed. They're That's simply right. just allowed to play at that level. You know, it's just, it's really, it, it boils down to education. That's, and that's why I love, you know, what you're doing. You're a coach, you're a mentor, and you're trying to teach us. You're trying to teach us the way. So maybe talk about one of your students and one of their, you know, one of your biggest success stories you want to pull out your goodie bag and, bag and kind of leave the listeners with before we round out the first segment. Well, sure. I guess we talked a few minutes ago about one of my students. Great guy, smart, never did a big multifamily deal. He was a fix and flipper. Started coaching him, ended up five or six months after he, you know, gone through the process with me. Now, this is the part of the thing. He believed in it. He had a lot of guts. He took a lot of risk. But at the same time, he needed knowledge. He needed to walk through. He needed the experience of how to do it. Closed in his first 94-unit deal, no money out of his pocket. He was able to syndicate, raise all the money with outside investors. Now, is that typical? Not really, but I mean, 
I didn't do that on my first deal. I was really amazed at what he did. I was really super impressed. Looked at a lot of dogs before he picked this deal. A lot of credit goes to him because he's a smart guy, took the risk, but he learned the system. And the system is really simple. It's like a recipe. Once you bake a cake and you learn how to bake cookies at 350 degrees for 20 minutes with two cups of sugar, one cup of uh, chocolate chips, it's the same thing with multifamily real estate or any other strategy or anything else in life. Once you become really good at it, it becomes habitual and you're just able to replicate and replicate and keep doing it. Is there a single most attribute that you see in your successful students as opposed to your unsuccessful students or students who just never kind of take action? Like I said, I think you have to be bought in. I think you have to reason why. And I think you just have to be not afraid to sell. I think one thing that I lacked in my career, and I didn't, didn't really think of myself as an entrepreneur because I was never trained in sales. I was never thought, and we always think of the word sales as something ugly, right? But sales is even selling yourself, being able to sell yourself to an investor, being able to sell yourself to a real estate broker to show you that listing, being able to sell yourself to a banker. Hey, I can get this deal done. So we have to learn how to sell ourselves. We have to learn how to sell our opportunities that we're giving to people, right? You have to sell yourself to me to get me on your show. And I have to do the same thing to you. I want you to come. So we have to really learn how to sell ourselves. And that's really one skill or one attribute that really, I think, separates the really successful person from the person who's not successful. Just learning how to sell yourself and learning how to be confident in your, in your abilities. I love that. I love that. So rounding out, are there any particular habits that you specifically kind of kind of practice every single day that kind of help you stay focused or, or meet and reach your goals? Got a gratitude journal here. So I try to try to write gratitude every day. It's hard. Sometimes you forget, but you want to be thankful. You want to go through the day in the morning and say, hey, great. I woke up. I have a great day plan. I just want to be thankful for what you got. The other thing is I think I do a lot of reading. So I'm always trying to read a book. I'm always trying to stay up to date on what's going on. And I don't, I mean, as far as being self-motivational, I just, I'm motivated because I just want to do stuff. I, I get really antsy. You know, a lot of us, I'm sure you're the same way. If you're not doing something, if you're not thinking about something, you feel lazy. You feel like you haven't achieved something that day. It's just, you don't want that day to slip. And it's like, that's what keeps me going. Basically try to go out, walk every day on the beach, especially now. So I try to get my physical activity in and I try to eat well. Those are the things that, that keep me going. The best real estate investing advice ever show is literally the only daily podcast that I subscribe to. And now I'm prescribing for you. The world's longest running daily real estate podcast. That's unprecedented. Visit JoeFearless.com slash show for the back catalog. Enjoy. You are listening to the Before the Millions. Before the Millions. Before the Millions. Before the Millions. Before the Millions podcast. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? I'm going to give you two. Yes. Think and Grow Rich. That is the guru. You listen to all these guys now. They're all repurposing his content. Don't care who it is, whether it's Zig Ziglar, whether it's Tony Robbins, whether it's Jim Rome. They're all repurposing his content. Awesome book. I did a book review on it. I love the book. Try to read it once a year because as you grow, you'll pull more out of it. Those 15 steps or whatever, 13 steps towards riches. It's just fantastic. And the next one, I don't know if a lot of your listeners have heard it. It's, it's from T. Harv Eker, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. It's a little rough around the edges for the average person who reads it because it kicks you in the gut. You know, it kicks you in the stomach because it's, it's truth seeking. He tells you the truth. If you're poor, it's because of you. It's not because of anybody else. The fruits are from your roots, bro. If you don't have strong roots... It's all about you. And when I heard that message the first time, I'm like, who is this? Who is this, this jerk saying this? Who the hell is he? What does he have? You know, what does he know my story? And that's when I was going through the restaurant stuff. I'm thinking, wow, he's probably right. And then as you get older, it's like, he's right, damn it. I mean, like, so it's thinking outside the box and let's talk about the financial thermostat and your blueprint. We all have a blueprint. Donald Trump set to billions, his financial thermostat. Most people are set to pay bills at the end of the month. And that's what they do. If that's where you're set, you're set to that. People set to thousands, millions. You can set it to whatever you want to. And that's what you can strive for. And that's what I that's why I think that book is awesome. Love that. What were the sacrifices you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Well, I touched on a lot. I mean, I had to work during lunchtime. You know, the restaurant business for over 20 years, I worked on the weekends. My brother took Sundays off. I worked on the weekends. I worked every weekend for 20 years. Worked on Christmas Eve, 18 hours on Christmas Eve. Worked Easter. You know, I'm a religious guy. I want to take Easter. I had to work on Easter. And I have a fantastic wife who knows, you know, that's sacrifice, you know, so she never really complained about it, but I'm sure it bothered her. So those are the sacrifices. I had to work during lunchtime. 
to get the business going, had to go home at 10 o'clock at night, send out emails, send out blogs, or, you know, so it's, it's really putting a lot of effort into it. But like I said before, to me, it wasn't work. A lot of that wasn't work because I really enjoyed doing it. The restaurant was the work part. That was more the enjoyment part, right? Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? I think, you know, my parents were really essential. And listening to all those motivational speakers, listening to, you know, Tony and listening to, you know, the E-Myth, Michael Gerber, all those books really helped me out. Just having that positive message. And obviously the family that I have is really, was really, you know, motivational and inspiring to me. Because when your wife is homeschooling six kids and she's doing what she's doing, she's Superwoman. So you've got to act like Superman because there's no, there's no, she don't have any days off. So if she don't take any days off, I can't be taking days off. So like I said, you're surrounding yourself with someone better than you. So you have to, it'll, it'll pull you up. Love that. Love that. Yeah. I, and I'm a, I'm a strong advocate for that. I think that, you know, you are really who you surround yourself with at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as entrepreneurs, especially at my age, podcasts and books and mm-hmm. you know, these online mediums come into play because I can literally surround myself with Jake and Gino all day and they, ha- and they mm-hmm. would have no idea. So, yes, so, totally. So we're in the 21st century and I think that it's that much easier to be successful because we have all the resources at our disposal. And speak to the millennials really quick. Think about financial freedom. Think about your number, what you're going to need to quote unquote retire from whatever you're doing to follow what you really like to do. If I had done that, I would have, I'd have 6,000 units right now. I didn't do that. I focus on the paycheck and the money and the house. And as you get more, more kids, bigger house, more cars, more bling. And a lot of entrepreneurs will probably tell you that. Really focus on your financial number. If you need four grand a month, to retire or to do whatever you want to do, to travel, whatever. Try to focus on that number. Try to try to get that number. I think that's more important than anything else. Love it. Love it. Love it. Last question of the final four. Why do you think, and this is, I mean, we, we pretty much have talked about this all show and especially, you know, more recently, but why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention on getting to the millions? We had talked about it and I think it's limiting beliefs as you get older you start developing more limiting beliefs. I mean, I don't know if you probably heard of it. I remember years ago, nobody think they could run the four minute mile. Roger Bannister comes around, he runs the four, everyone thought their hearts would explode. Well, he comes around, he runs the four minute mile. What is it, like a month later, you got five, six people running it. So there was the limiting belief. So the limiting belief is, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. My father said that a lot, you know, I'm not made of money. So if you start thinking about that, that's going to limit you. And if you start people start seeing people fail and start listening to people by saying, hey, don't take that chance, you might fail, that'll hold you back. And I think that's what gets a lot of us stuck. Guys who really believe in it, whether it's a Steve Jobs or whether it's a Bill Gates, they don't really hear the noise. They just see the vision. Like you're talking about the two types of motivation, moving away from pain, which is what I was doing, strong motivator. Not really the most best use because you'll have the catabolic energy, you'll have that victim and anger sometimes, it'll pull you down a little bit, but it keeps you motivated. Or moving towards pleasure, which is what Steve Jobs did and what Bill Gates does and you know, the Warren Buffets of the world, they're moving towards pleasure. They have an idea, they have a picture, they have you know something where they're, where they're moving towards. So I think if people can look at it from that aspect, really help them out. Love it, love it. You can have said it any better, Gino, and, and I, I'm glad that you, you were able to part us with those words of wisdom. So so hopefully our audience, cause, because again, I know I have, and this has been amazing, but hopefully our audience has gained some insight into Gino's life and how he went from you know, store or a restaurant owner slash dishwasher to, you know, this, this, mm-hmm. this, you know, 700 units and up, which is, which is amazing. Three years, you know, that that's fantastic. So thank you, Gino, for sharing your before the million story and guiding us through the process that you went through. And, you know, maybe we can take something away from that, but, you know, if some listeners kind of want to get plugged in with you or, you know, pick up a, a few of your resources, I know you offer coaching, you have books and, you know, I, I'm about to start reading wheelbarrow profits apparently. So I can't wait to kind of dive into that, but, you know, Mm-hmm. Tell us about some of your, your links and you know how to best get a hold of you. Sure. The best thing is just to go to jakeandgino.com. I have tons of articles, over 100 articles I've written over the last year and a half. I've got articles on bigger pockets, our podcast, Wheel of Our Profits, top 10 in real estate, top five in multifamily. It's a great show. We really have actual content. It's not fluff. It's really focused on multifamily. It's got a lot of motivational stuff going on. I'm going to be launching next Wednesday on our Facebook. I'm going to start doing Facebook live calls. Talk about coaching, life coaching. Try to get guys engaged, empowered. But I think the best thing is just go to Jake and Gino. Go on there. Start, you know, getting out of your comfort zone. Start saying to yourself, if these two guys can do it, I can do it. Love it. And Gino, I've never asked this question before at the very end, but if you can leave our listeners with 
one piece, one single piece of advice, what would it be? Wow. One single piece of advice. That's a good question. You know, as I get older, I think life is too short to be doing something you don't like. And it's easy to say that now that that you're successful. But I, I think when you look back on life, you know, what do you want to be remembered for? Not for the money you made, but you want to be remembered for the relationships you had. And, you know, for me, it's, it's having a family and having kids. So I just think of, think of your priorities and don't just put a dollar sign on everything. You can't get your time back. So use it wisely. And it really is all about relationships and connecting with two people, you know, connecting with somebody else and having that relationship. I think that to me is the most important thing. Another great episode, everybody. I'm glad you were all able to tune in for that. Thanks again to Gino, Barbara, and the Will Barrow Profits crew. We really appreciate having Gino on the show. If you guys want some more material or if you guys are interested in some of his products or maybe his course, check out our show notes at beforethemillions.com slash episode 13. I'll have links to some of his multifamily courses on there and some of his other products as well. As on the resources page, you can check out some of his stuff there. They all will be affiliate links. So just keep that in mind. And yeah, I think that that we should always ask ourselves, you know, what's our why and start with our why rather than, you know, this made up goal that we have in our head that we're trying to achieve. I think we should start with our why, the overall result, where we see ourselves in the long run and then kind of work backwards from there. So, and I think that's what Gino did, you know, with his big move to Florida. And, you know, he always started with where he wanted to go and what type of lifestyle he wanted to live. And then he just kind of, he just kind of reverse engineered his life to kind of get there. And now he's there. So yeah, let's, let's, let's take that away. If anything, you know, start with our why and then kind of, you know, reverse engineer, work our way backwards and, and figure out how to get to that why. And with that being said, gang, this, this has been awesome. It was an amazing episode. And again, it's, it's been an amazing week knowing that, you know, we've reached over 41 countries and we're well over 10,000 downloads now. So I, I really want to really want to stress that I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful and thankful to you all. We got in a plethora of reviews. First one comes from Lennon. Lennon says DeRay really offers great content within the podcast to all of us out here pursuing financial freedom through real estate. Keep it up. Jason says awesome content for anyone looking to be or is an entrepreneur at heart. Peel says thank you for your value DeRay. My mind always walks away from your podcast with a wealth of knowledge. My brain and my network are eternally grateful. Continue the awesomeness. Nikki says, so proud of what this podcast is doing and what it will continue to do and that it is motivating people towards financial freedom and financial understanding. I'm learning so much as each guest is very unique. Ola says, BTM is great for those either looking to become an entrepreneur or those looking to learn about investing. Ray does an awesome job of being a surrogate for the listeners and asking the right questions. And last but not least, the corporate fan says, Tons of value. Listen and learn how to make your millions. Well, guys, these have been great five-star reviews, and I wanted to read off a little more than usual this week because it is, you know, a celebratory week and that we've reached 10,000 downloads. So again, I want to thank you all for your five-star reviews. If you haven't left one yet, what are you waiting for? And I think that's all we have for this week. So let's get out there. Let's learn our why. Let's make our goals motivated towards our why. And let's go fail a couple times before we reach our whys. See you guys next week. Bye.